It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. With me in the KFG studios, my business partners and friends, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. So what should you do if you're getting a late start on saving for retirement? And what are the key decisions to make? And how do you get on track? Now, you might think this has nothing to do with me. If it doesn't, I want you to grab the person that it might apply to and get them to listen because we're going to be helping you answer these questions today on uh, the Wise Money Show. That's right. If you have a question for us, we've got a few that we're going to be hitting in the second half of the program. Reach out to us. You can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can call or text us with your question, 574-222-2000. It's 574-222-2000. And then all over social media, you can submit questions there as well. Wherever you're at, where they're to, just search for The Wise Money Show, and you can leave comments on those pages, or you can um, submit questions right there, and we'll get back to you and cover it on an upcoming program. All right, as we dive in, guys, quick quick question. What's the number one phrase you hear clients say in our office? Brand new clients? Yeah. Or just anyone in general? I was thinking anyone. I think it applies, but but certainly brand new. Um, thank you. Oh, that's not what I was thinking. I was thinking, I what's know where that your mind's smell? going, though. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> what's that smell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, typically, it's. Um, do you know if Mike or Josh have any openings in the air calendar? <laughs> wouldn't Wouldn't you say so? So, so that better better comment, Josh. Yeah, but wouldn't you say a close second or in the running is. I should have gotten started earlier. Yeah. I should have come in here earlier. Certainly the number one regret, right? Yeah. And if that's true, then it sort of indicates that many people wish they had started sooner, a.k.a. you might be getting a late start or a later start than you really want on saving for your retirement or whatever it is for your financial future. And it's sort of with that premise that I was quite interested in an article that Kevin sent over to me from the Wall Street Journal a few weeks ago, and and the columnist that answered, I quickly before as right as I started reading the answer, I'm like, oh, okay, and I was like, wait, who is this? Not a CFP, not a financial professional, just just he's an author, and writes for a financial magazine. So I thought, well, I've got enough credibility to answer, and I'm like, nah, let's talk about it here. So here's basically the question that was posed from a reader of the Wall Street Journal that this author answered. Here's what it was. My wife and I are in our early 60s, and for various reasons, we haven't saved enough for retirement. What are the biggest suggestions for pumping up our nest egg? We've already, we're already planning on working into our mid-60s, and if necessary, beyond. It's a great, great question. And, and we've laid out our top five things that you should do if you're finding yourself in a similar situation. The first thing that stood out to me is the individual said, we're in our early 60s, blah, 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 plan on working. We're already, like, I'm already willing 
to work into my mid-60s. So the first thing you've got to consider if you're getting a late start is the power of working longer. Even working one extra year or two extra years. The point is get a plan to know, but work longer. This person saying mid-60s, no, work longer. Yeah, and I I think that one of the things I love best about our our job is it causes us to have to learn a lot about a lot of different things. So this is a person in their 60s, and it'd be probably a safe assumption that this person has thought about their how they've needed to prepare for retirement probably since sometime in their 20s. So have you ever thought about why it is that you can think about something in your brain and say, well, I need to do this, but I'm not doing it. Well, okay. So this happens every morning when I'm supposed to work out <laughs> or in a different way every evening. I told Cindy this. I'm 23 hours and 47 minutes a day, most disciplined person you'd see. But for those couple minutes, usually between eight and nine, I devour about a half carton of ice cream. And yet I, I, I can live the rest of my day thinking, no, I'm making healthy decisions. Things are good. And then just in this little slip. So this happens to all of us. So there's no shame. I mean, if you find yourself here, you can do it. And I would also tell you, if you find yourself here, don't feel hopeless. Don't feel embarrassed. And don't lie to yourself. Each of those things will not help you get there. Right. So, But the other thing is, if I am now 60... And I'm saying, hey, I've known for 40 years I've need, needed to do this, and I haven't, but now I'm going to. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the likelihood of you actually doing it on your own is fairly low. And I look at this, and maybe it'd be interesting to hear from you guys. What are the financial things that people say, I need to do this, but yet they don't do it? Well, Starting with a financial advisor is, or, or having a coach is maybe the number one option. And, and it feels like one of the most important things that you could do, uh, mostly because if you're starting in your 60s and you've only got a few years left of your working career, you have no margin for error. Doesn't mean you can't get this done. It just means you can't spin your wheels in any way. You can't be off track for part of these few years. And but that's but that's not even where I'm going. Where I'm going is I'm I'm turning 60 and I've got to do something that I've never done before. Do you think my patterns and my habits are fairly entrenched? Absolutely. So so it it, it will not happen in in the life of the mind. I am not going to be able to think, "Hey, I should have been preparing for retirement for the last 40 years and I haven't. Therefore, I'm going to start today." It is highly likely, and this goes to your comment, Josh, I need an external stimulus. Yeah. I will not be able to walk this road alone because I've got 40 years of proof that walking this road alone has not worked. So I've got to have some sort of stimulus. Because mm -hmm. I think about this, I think, how many people do you talk to that say, you say, hey, do you have your estate plan in order and do you have a will? No, no, I, I, you know, I knew when our kids were born I needed a will. And you say, hey, um, uh, do you have, you know, your kids are, do you want to educate your kids? Well, yeah, I, I want to educate my kids. So what are you doing? Well, I'm not really educating my kids hmm. um, uh, or, or saving money to educate my kids. So there are all these things that without some sort of external stimulus, 
without some sort of help, it's never going to happen. Well, and maybe uh, you're revealing that the article that Mike reveal, or was uh, referring to, even the way that we kind of laid out these five, we should start there, right? It's begin with the uh, that external stimulus, make sure you have a coach in place, someone who is a certified financial planner, because the solutions to your retirement, especially when you're getting a late start, it's going to have to be multifaceted. Mm-hmm. This is not, you, you framed the question uh, or the, the uh, article was framed as how do we boost our nest egg? That's not the question. That's the wrong question. Right? That, that's a component of the question. But the real question is how do we get ready for a successful retirement? And yes, maybe that involves boosting the nest egg. Maybe it involves some other areas in your financial life and not allowing money to slip through the cracks. Um, not missing opportunities along the way. That is the purpose of having a certified financial planner in your life to to catch what you would not catch on your own, to know what you don't know yourself. Well, and to build skills, to build skills and build habits that currently you don't have. Doesn't make you a bad person, but you don't have it. So uh, yeah, I, that stands out. And in fact, that was that was the fifth is um, is that you need a coach, you need a, a certified financial planner. So we'll come back to to number one here in a minute. But but the reason why that uh, we're so passionate about that is even just in the comment that Josh you pointed out, pump up my nest egg. That that is just the conventional approach. Well, in order to retire, I need a bunch of money. There are five factors. There are five factors to your retirement plan. And there isn't one that's more important than the other. In fact, if there was one, it wasn't, wouldn't be the size of your nest egg. Mm-hmm. It'd be how much you spend, right. by the way. But all five of these work together symbiotically, okay? And so just by the viewpoint of, well, how do I build my nest egg? Well, actually, that's sort of easy, but that's not your problem. Your problem is, how do I get on track? And how do all five factors of my retirement need to fit together right now in order to be ready to retire? So we're just scratching the surface on this. So we've got, we've got, we've got to come back to the first one. And then we've got three other big things that you need to consider if you've got a late start on retirement. So that and more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. If you're getting a late start on saving for retirement, or even even if you started early but you didn't start with enough, and you now are wondering, well, you know, I'm nearing the end zone here. How, how do I how do I get there? Um, what should you do? We've got our five biggest suggestions on how you can get to retirement, get on track if you're getting a late start. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike. Here with me in the KFG studios, Josh and Kevin. I want to say thank you to the attorneys at South Bank Legal, as well as First State Bank, for making the Wise Money Show possible. Lastly, if you want to catch all Wise Money content, you can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. And then wherever you're at on social media, we're there too. Just search the Wise Money Show. All right. This has kind of come from an article in the Wall Street Journal where, where a reader sent in this question. My wife and I are in our early 60s, and for various reasons, we haven't saved enough for retirement. What are your best suggestions for pumping up our nest egg? We're already planning on working into our mid-60s and, if necessary, beyond. So the, the first idea, which was really the fifth idea, is it's the most important one. 
And that is the question asked, how do I pump up my nest egg? That's just one of the five factors that you need to consider to get on track. So you really need a coach that is bringing uh, clarity, confidence, and creativity. You, Kevin, you mentioned you need to get the skills and they'll help you learn. Now you just need to get some of the skills on your team. Yeah. Right. And, and hire the right coach. to but skill building is a component of the solution. That's right. The second thing, and, and one of the things that stood out to me very quickly is if you find yourself in this situation, the power of working a little bit longer. Now, that is as popular as a snap bracelet. I mean, no, no one no one's interested in that. Right. It's not. But. If you are trying to build your nest egg, I would think differently and say, what about working another year? What about working another two years or three years? Find out how long you need to work, but I'd consider that first. You know, uh, one of my favorite things that we get to do in the community is teach a retirement class at uh, a few of the, the local colleges and universities. And this is one of my favorite discussions to have with the class. And um, it, it's always a reminder to me because I, I pose the question, why would it be so beneficial or what would the, the potential lift be from working just a little bit longer? And then I just let the, the class talk and they come up with the full list every single time. Hmm. You have these ideas or these benefits in your head. It's just someone needs to kind of pull it out of you at times. But if you think about it, if you're able to work just a little bit longer, that allows you to save a little bit longer, right? A, a, a one or two more years of contributing to your retirement accounts matters. What about also the added time of paying down debt? You know, a lot of people get close to paying down their mortgage, but they retire just a little bit before it's done, and then it lingers a while longer more time to pay down debt and get yourself squared away there. It's also more time to let your investment nest egg grow without tapping into it. One or two more years when, you know, we, we talk about the growth pattern of a retirement account looking like a hockey stick as time goes on. It ramps up towards the end and you don't want to shave years off the end if you don't have to. I, I'm going to interrupt because that list is, is, is very full and it's absolutely correct, but that's the compounding effect. Yes. Because it will just delaying retirement just a little bit can have a, a can improve your financial situation in several different areas. So that's a compounding effect. Absolutely. You mentioned are in that list the the third item that I had on the list which is working a little bit longer allows you to pay down debt. And I would also argue maybe help you avoid some upcoming debt. A lot of times people transition into retirement and they want to go on a big trip or they need to replace the car or there's, oh, I've got this, you know, when I retire, we'll finally deal with that leaky roof in the garage or something like that. And if you continue working an extra year or two, if you've already paid off debt, that's great, but you can build up cash and cover those sorts of things out of cash flow instead of out of debt. You're exactly right. It's it's one of the reasons why if you are going to add one or two more years to your working career, you want to have a plan for that, right? Not just uh, approach it as uh, another couple years to coast to the end. No, be intentional about how you use that time. And paying down debt is one of the biggest things that you can do because you're eliminating obligations in retirement. Mm -hmm. You're freeing up cash flow. 
the the less obligations or the the monthly payments that you carry with you into retirement, the less strain you're going to be placing on that retirement nest egg when you get there. Yeah, we're talking a little bit about skill acquisition or habit building and when you when you think about r- reducing debt and positioning yourself um, I would I would tell you if you're in your 60s and you're underprepared or unprepared for retirement there's a job that you have not applied for and you need to apply for this job get the job and then do it and become excellent at this job and that job is budget management. Mm-hmm. So you have got to train yourself or work with your spouse or work with your certified financial planner, but become amazing at controlling your appetites and controlling your cash flow and get animalistic towards reducing debt because that is going to allow you some of the most amazing retirement stories I've seen are when people come in in their uh, late 50s, early 60s. They're not really prepared. They have no clue what to do. Their friends are retiring at 62 because that's when you can start Social Security. So that must be when I'm supposed to retire. And what do I do? And you say, hey, no, listen, keep working. They keep working. They hit full retirement age. They turn on Social Security and keep working, and they use that Social Security over the next three or four years to take huge bites out of the remaining debt, and then they go into retirement. But now they've got 10 years of proving to themselves that they can master their desires. They can master their desire for self-pleasure and all of these other things, and they can control their finances. You know, you talked about proving to yourself over time that you can do this. One of my favorite pieces of advice to offer, I just gave to a client uh, just a few weeks ago. Um, This particular person announced to me that uh, they're officially a year out from retirement. And so I I challenged uh, her and her husband to begin living on the same amount of income that they're going to have a year from now. Yep. Begin test driving or consider it a a dress rehearsal for retirement that this next year you're going to live at the level that you will have to live at in retirement when the paychecks go away. And in their particular case, that's primarily living on uh, Social Security plus a little bit of a supplemental um, amount coming out of their investment accounts. I wanted them to go into retirement with a year under their belt already living at that level. And... um, you know, the, if your reaction to that is, yeah, I'm, I'm a year away from retirement and I, I don't know that I want to live at that lifestyle. Well, that tells you something, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I would rather have you discover that, boy, this is maybe a little bit more painful than I imagined back when I was 50 years old. Um, or, or I don't really like the lifestyle or the sacrifices that I'm having to make um, at this living, uh, living standard. Um, it's better to discover that while you still have the ability to maybe save a little bit more or work a little longer, make the adjustments over time instead of abruptly at retirement. Yeah, one of the interesting things about working longer is Social Security averages um, your 35 highest years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so working longer, if you, if, you, if you only have 30 years of Social Security earnings, you might be able to 
improve your average in a meaningful way by adding years and filling up the 35. That is yeah. the fourth way that we said that can really improve. <laughs> that is what we would recommend that you consider is that you optimize your social security. And by, by working longer, you, if you work longer or even just drawing it smarter, that's really looking at the combined benefit between you and your spouse and figuring possibly staggering when you draw um, to get a full, the, the absolute optimum amount from your Social Security. So there's several different, oh, things to consider there. And depending on who's got the highest earning power and, and or, or earning um um, years over those 35 years and and how they compare to each other, you can really optimize your Social Security if you do it right in the context of your financial plan. The fifth one is one of my favorites, probably my second favorite. So we've got that and more coming up here on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. If you're getting a late start on retirement, how do you get there? How do you get there? It's not just building up your nest egg. It is looking at all five factors of retirement and having those fit together in a way that, yep, you can retire at this time successfully. Your certified financial planner can help you with that. So we're talking about our top five ways to help you get there. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Thank you to Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes team of realtors for making the Wise Money Show possible. Thank you very much. As a reminder, every episode of the Wise Money Show is on the YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, search The Wise Money Show. You'll find us there. I'd encourage you to subscribe to it, turn on notifications, hit the thumbs up, hit the thumbs down, leave comments, questions there as well. Okay, so we said one of the five things that you need to consider, if you're getting a late start, recognize the, compound, the compounding power of delaying retirement even a year or even a couple years. That will allow you, those couple extra working years, allow you to pay down debt, manage your spending better, and hopefully build your Social Security even more to help you with cash flow for the rest of your life. This last one is my second favorite on the list. And that is, if you're getting a late start on retirement, you need to have a strategy for avoiding taxes. Yeah, and or limiting your taxes is maybe yeah. a more compliant way to say that, Mike. <laughs> um, you know, you you have choice on how you pay your taxes, when you pay your taxes, and a lot of it has to do with what types of retirement nest egg or or tax shelter you're using to build up that nest egg. And um, I, I'm talking about the difference between using a traditional 401k or a Roth 401k, a traditional IRA versus a Roth IRA. And the, the, the fundamental difference between them is when do you pay the taxes um, that, are, that are owed on that income? 
traditionally, um, you, you may have spent most of your working career believing that I'm in a high tax bracket today, I'm going to be in a low tax bracket in retirement, so therefore I'm going to use that traditional 401k to avoid the taxes now and I'll pay them in the future when the bill will be smaller. But that may not be true anymore. As tax laws have improved or come down, um, at, at least temporarily, no one knows how long they're going to be as low as they are right now, but by historical standards, they're at a low level. And so it's possible that maybe the better thing for you to do would be to pay more taxes today so that when you get to retirement, uh, there are less taxes for you to pay at that time. I, I, uh, thanks for trying to keep me out of jail, but I actually, <laughs> I actually did mean avoid taxes. Okay. Tell me more. So we talked uh, a couple weeks ago about Social Security and a couple weeks before that about Social Security. And the way you figure out how much money you spend and where that spending, where those resources come from, greatly influence how much tax you pay on your Social Security. And I don't know, with these new tax laws, maybe you guys have found this too, that if you're in retirement and you're your equation works such that you really don't have to pay tax on your Social Security, then you probably really don't have to pay tax. Like there's enough standard deduction out there that it probably wipes out all your other income and you probably don't have any tax. And that's true tax avoidance where you're spending money and none of it's showing up on your tax return. Now that could be because you've got money in a Roth. It could just be. I had this situation recently where it was person got a late start. They're trying to make the final push and they're like, I got to build up the nest egg. And I immediately was like, yeah, Roth IRAs, 401ks, yeah, you need to build that up. We started building the plan and because of healthcare reasons and other things, nope, you need to build this money up in the savings account. Because if you pull it out of the savings account, that's going to make your tax picture look like this, which will allow you to have smaller premium payments for your health insurance before you get on Medicare, all these compounding reasons, and that was avoiding tax. Mm -hmm. It allowed to avoid tax. What's the big idea? If you're getting a late start and your nest egg maybe isn't as big as you want it to be, well, you still spend real dollars. And if Uncle Sam, who we appreciated a couple episodes ago, if Uncle Sam is actually taking a couple dollars right off the top before you spend them, you will need to pull more dollars out of your retirement to give Uncle Sam their portion to leave you with enough to ha to live your lifestyle. So you need a financial plan to, to be aware of what tax strategies make sense so that you can avoid tax in retirement. It's more crucial. It's more crucial when you've had gotten a late start saving. Yeah, I've, I've seen scenarios where you can manipulate it where the person's paying zero federal taxes and can depending on the situation, can do that at least until 70 and a half when they have to start drawing certain money from certain buckets. But, I mean, there there's some pretty – it's hard to imagine, like, is there really a, some great strategies out there? There absolutely is. So, yeah. Yeah, many people encounter a, a gap between their working years and maybe when they draw Social Security, and it can create some unique um, – I guess, tax avoidance opportunities or tax limiting opportunities where you can actually shift money from the traditional IRA to a Roth IRA and maybe pay no tax in the process. Yep. So absolutely, that's one of the reasons why we said in an earlier segment that 
this idea of if, if you've gotten a late start on getting for getting ready for retirement, don't just look at the nest egg as your only solution to make a better retirement for yourself. Also pay attention to the tax structure um, of your financial life as you march into retirement as well. Now, nothing against the columnist here, the author from, from the Wall Street Journal answering this question. Um, however, the individual, the author, is not a certified financial planner. A couple of these comments that we've talked about was in the list, but but not all of them, not most of them, in fact. So here again, if you want to boil it all down, we've had people come in to our office and they're just about to retire and admittedly, hey, for whatever reason, I'm just not ready. I don't think I'll ever, I'll be able to retire and that scares me and we we can build them a plan and figure out, and it's not just build a plan, here's a piece of paper, go figure this out. No, 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 actually work through the nuts and, and bolts of how do you get to retirement? It's possible. If you find yourself in this situation, don't be hopeless, don't be embarrassed, but don't lie to yourself. Go get a coach, get a plan together, start start taking steps to get on track. All right, let's transition to questions from fans of the show. Heather's got the first one here. She's 63 from Goshen. Here's what she asked. One of my kids just confessed with me that he's racked up some credit card debt and would like some help. In total, he owes about $20,000 in credit cards. Is it wise to loan him the money to help him out? Wow, that um, what a tough position to be in um, when you realize, wow, my my kids are in a financial position that I don't want them to be in, right? And and maybe Heather, I don't, I don't know, I don't want to project onto you that maybe you hate credit card debt, and so you almost feel like this is a problem that it's if it's within your power to solve it. Um, maybe you feel eager to, to get involved, but I would ask you first and foremost, are, are you actually solving the problem or are you really addressing a symptom to the problem? Because credit card debt, yes, it creates issues and it has some far-reaching effects in people's lives on cash flow and how much interest bleeds out in their life, but that credit card debt got there somehow. And maybe it got a little out of control and, and maybe snuck up on your, your son or daughter. Um, but, but that's the point. If you go wipe out that debt by consolidating it or doing some sort of debt restructuring, that doesn't actually address the problem. Um, it, it really addresses the symptom of the problem. And it's very likely, uh, if, if I'm speaking from experience or observation, I guess, Many times when people do a debt restructuring, even with a family loan like this, what it does is it frees up the ability to go borrow again if you haven't addressed why that debt exists there to begin with. Where, where there, there's more to hit here, but the, the analogy is if you say, well, no, that's kind of cruel. Nope. The analogy is this. If you go to the dentist and you've got a cavity, the dentist will fill the cavity. They didn't fix the problem. The cavity got there because you don't have the right hygiene. You're eating too much candy. You're not brushing your teeth. You're not brushing your teeth enough. You're not flossing. Oh, I don't think you need to floss. Actually, I think that's a big ploy for them to sell more string. <laughs> that is my idea. <laughs> but it's the same thing. When you apply it to finances, don't say, oh, well, that's kind of mean or that's not how life works. No, that's how it works. Cindy fills cavities for kids. That's what she does. That's her job. No, kid, don't send the kid to bed with a bottle. Don't have him eat so much food and not brush your teeth. So you got more on this answer coming up on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Do you help when your kid's out who's just confessed that they've got some credit card debt and, and you have the means to help them out? Is that cruel? Is it punishment to say, no, I could help you, but, but I'm not going to? Hmm. Is it a real solution? Are you actually solving it if you do step in and pay it off? Ah, great question here from Heather. That's what we're tackling right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name's Mike. Here with me in the KFG studios, Josh and Kevin. If you've missed anything and you love podcasts, you can find the Wise Money Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search the Wise Money Show. I'd encourage you to subscribe to it and turn on that notifications button so that you're made aware every time we drop a new episode. And then also do me a favor, but it's not really for me. It's for others. Rate the show and leave a comment about about the show. That helps us other people find, I don't know, there's probably a gazillion financial podcasts out there. So people are looking for ones about wise financial principles. Doing that will help them find us. Appreciate that. All right. So that's Heather's question. She's 63 from Goshen. When one of her kids had just confessed, hey, mom, I've got about 20 grand in credit card debt. And she's thinking about loaning him the money to help out. We, we left off with well, doing that might actually not solve the problem. It actually could expand the problem. If that frees up now, you know, the ability to get more debt. Uh, that's exactly right. You know, I think we need to also pay attention to just the nature of debt or credit cards in general. They give us the power to consume more today than what we earn today. But it creates this problem or a symptom down the road where now in the future, you're going to have to consume below your income in order to pay it off. And if, if you were to just gift money and wipe out the debt, then it's really you consuming less so that others could consume more along the way. Even loaning the money creates now a new relational dynamic that is a, is a problem. I would want your son or daughter to feel the effect of, uh, of the credit card and to, um, to, to gain the benefit of wiping it out slowly over time by living below their means. That will not only let them wipe out the credit card, but give them the power to avoid it in the future as well. And, and maybe a way that you could get involved is rather than lend the money to them, what if there was a way that they could earn the money? instead. Give them a, a method, a creative way to boost their income above their current expenses so they can get this debt wiped out. Maybe there's some projects around your house that they could help out with and you could actually pay them and they could earn their way back out of this situation instead of you solving it for them. It's tempting to say, uh, what's the? if I ask the question, what's the problem? Most people would say, well, the problem is this kid's got $20,000 of of debt, right? And so the question is, who is is that a problem then that mother should take on? And really, it, the problem isn't that the kid has twenty thousand dollars in debt. The problem is the kid does not have the skills to manage his money. So minus money management skills, that problem, that symptom is going to keep reappearing. So if I, if I were you, Heather, I might consider 
take the, the first money that you put toward the problem might be to hire a certified financial planner to work with your son to help your son build the necessary skills to get out of debt mm-hmm. and to help because it's not it's not a great conversation it's not a conversation that anyone looks forward to to say hey listen son you've spent $20,000 it's gone now you've you got to go earn $30,000 pay taxes on that and then use what's left over to pay off the debt. And oh, by the way, if it's credit card debt, it's quite possible that it's growing at 17 or 18%. So your your minimum payment might just barely be making a dent in that thing. But it's tempting as a parent, I, I know, to, whenever you see any of your children suffering or in pain or uncomfortable, to intervene. And that makes sense uh, for sure in the first 18 months of your child's life. But from then on, the, the, the process of that child becoming independent and free and learning, um, I, I don't, I'm, I'm always tempted to say, Heather, you expand the problem if you make it your own. Yeah. Yep. So I think to, to kind of merge those two ideas, the problem isn't the credit card debt. Credit cards didn't do anything. They're now doing something, 17, 18%, but you signed up for that deal. Um, so the, the problem is you spent, or your son has spent tomorrow's income today. And Josh, you put it well, the solution then is, well, you've got to spend less tomorrow to pay for the thing, for the money that you've already borrowed. And, and the, the point that Kevin's making is it's not going to happen naturally. That is a hu- that's a huge adjustment. And, but that's the only way to figure out how to not spend tomorrow's income continually, like perpetually. Right, right. You've got to get off of that, that track. And I, I think it's worth adding, too, because there are some who find themselves in credit card debt, and it wasn't because they spend too much time at the department store or – um, you know, they're, they're taking too many vacations or something like that. Sometimes people use the credit card as a stopgap when they're encountering too many crises in their life. Maybe it's medical expenses or something like that. But even that is a symptom of something, right? And none of us have the financial um, strength to be able to withstand all of life's storms necessarily. But we can be prepared for most of them. I mean, you, you don't know uh, whether your future, I, I could tell you stories about clients who it's just like one crisis after another and uh, you feel just horrible for them. And the, the, the only thing that stops me from just kind of wallowing in pity for them is that they don't pity themselves. And it's a beautiful thing to watch someone who truly is suffering in life um, not play the victim card. Mm -hmm. But for most of us, many of the crises that we face are because maybe we brought it on ourselves. We we made some some bad choices. Maybe we have some bad habits. We're just living too close to the edge always. Um, 
or or maybe it's it's also just that we didn't prepare ahead for the inevitability that life is going to throw you curveballs at times and not being ready for them. Um, unfortunately, credit cards offer you a solution. And it, it's unfortunately a way that people get dug into a hole. And uh, the best way to get out is to slowly dig out because you will you will be more resolute. You, you'll be um, stronger in your convictions that I'm not going to allow myself to be back in this position again. Yeah. So, Heather, be careful. Be careful. Make sure your son gets the true help that he needs. Rick's 52 from Edwardsburg. I'm considering switching to the HSA health plan that my company offers for next year. It's a cheaper premium, and the company puts in 500 bucks into my HSA. I'm nervous about the deductible, though, but it seems worth it for the cost savings. What do you guys think? Real quick. Yeah, I I think the the main consideration, Rick, is what is your health. If you uh, if you're if you're relatively healthy, never go see the doctor, and you anticipate staying that way, then the HS going with a high deductible plan and having an HSA account available to you, you are making the bet that you're going to stay healthy. If and depending on your family situation, that your family is going to stay healthy. If you've got really from the time our kids hit the teenage years, we we have a high deductible health plan. We hit the deductible every year. I mean, just bank on it because someone's going to be falling off a motorcycle, breaking an arm. Somebody's going to be something's going to be happening. The the unforeseen. Uh, will eventually be seen, yeah. and um, so it depends on your. It's a it's a risk management question. Do you want to live at the risk or transfer the risk? It's it's also a cash flow discipline um, question. You need to make sure that you have the power to consistently set aside that high deductible every single year in case you are. Um, actually hitting the deductible. So make sure you have enough margin in your life and you're planning ahead for the out-of-pocket expenses that may come. Yeah, so do the worst worst case scenario. Just just do the math and say, all right, if we're really unhealthy, we all slip on a banana peel at once, what happens? And then what's the cost difference? And see, I've done it for a lot of people and it's even in the worst case scenario, the HSA is still the cheaper plan. So great question. All right, that's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, Myself and all of us at KFG have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.